You're listening to the Am Writing Fantasy Podcast. In today's publishing landscape, you can reach fans all over the world. Query letters are a thing of the past. You don't even need a literary agent. There is nothing standing in the way of making a living from writing. Join two best-selling authors who have self-published more than 20 books between them. Now, on to the show with your hosts, Autumn Burt and Jasper Schmidt. Hello, I am Jesper and this is episode 38 of the Am Writing Fantasy Podcast and we are going to talk about how to conquer the visibility issue in today's world and the internet is a crowded place nowadays and it's getting increasingly difficult for authors to get their work seen. So today I actually brought on a guest who will help me understand how to navigate the issue of visibility. And that guest is Jim Krukel, who is also an internet marketing veteran who has helped companies like FedEx and Ernst & Young to understand how to use the internet to grow their business. He is also a best-selling author of nonfiction books and an international professional speaker. On top of that, he also hosts the Sell More Book Show podcast. So that was quite a bio there, Jim. Welcome to the I'm Writing Fantasy podcast. I am happy to be here. You have a wonderful podcast here, and I've heard lots of great things about it, and I know lots of people who listen to it, so congratulations. Ah, thank you very much. We actually only recently shifted onto a 100% podcast focus because beforehand we had the the it, our prime our primary source was actually YouTube videos, and then we just sort of uploaded a podcast version of it. But recently, we shifted it around, so it is now a podcast where we're only just uploading a, a YouTube uh, podcast, so to speak. So, so that's great. I'm I'm glad you liked it. I do. Anything else uh, you could tell us about yourself other than what I just mentioned there in the intro, uh, Jim? Um, I'm a uh, from Cleveland, Ohio, and I have a family. And I have been publishing content online for over 20 years before even blogs started. I started my first blog uh, two months before 9-11. I um, have written books before they were called, you know, ebooks and <laughs> yeah. PDFs online, you know. So I've been doing this a long time. I'm definitely not Seth Godin or Malcolm Gladwell, but I would like to be. Uh, so, uh, I, I love, uh, producing content that helps people. Yeah. And, uh, I'm also uh, a regular listener of the Selmore books show myself. And, and I really like that. So, uh, since this is also a podcast, there might be listeners who are not familiar with your other show there. So perhaps before we dive into today's topics, maybe you could just share a bit about what you and Brian are doing over on the Selmore book show. Yeah, about five years ago, if you can believe it. I think it's five years. I'm bad at math. If you listen to the show, you'll see that we're bad at math. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, we started a podcast called The Sell More Books Show, me and Brian Cohen. And we did recorded the 282nd or 83rd episode yesterday. So we've done it once a week for all of these years. We're approaching our 300th episode. And it's all about the news of what's happening in the world of publishing and self-publishing. It's really for indie authors of any genre who want to learn about the latest tools, tips, tactics, strategies involved in self-publishing. It's a fast-paced format, 35, 45-minute show of news and tips where we offer a little bit of commentary. 
Yeah, and I re- I really enjoy it also because you know between you and uh, the Creative Pen podcast, you sort of get most of all the news you need. <laughs> so you don't have to sit there and read tons of articles yourself. You can just sort of uh, you know tune in once a week and listening to 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 your podcast, and then uh, at least you you sort of get the main picture of what's moving in the publishing world. So that's that's really good. Yeah, that's the point. The point is to quickly give the indie author the information they may not have found on their own, and then just offer a little commentary as well on how to help them sell more books. That's the whole why of the show. Yeah, exactly, yeah. And three hundred or uh, five years, that that's a ton of episodes that you have released. I, I was almost about to say 300 there. I don't know why that, that number popped up in my, my mind, but uh, it's a lot of episodes you guys have released every week. So, that, that must have been quite a, a journey. Yeah, you know, it's the longest podcast I've ever done. I've been doing podcasts before YouTube and, you know, all kinds of stuff. And this is the longest one I've ever participated in. The key to having a long podcast and doing it is just doing it consistently and having a consistent format. Um, if you're starting a podcast, definitely just have it be consistent every single week release it at the same time and also have a very consistent format so that your listeners can get accustomed to it and used to listening to it yeah yeah exactly that <clears throat> that's also we, something we've tried to be mindful of now that we shifted to a 100 percent podcast instead of youtube videos to to try to build in some consistency and and you know regular sections so that uh, indeed that as you say people can get used to the format so that's good, but uh, we wanted to talk a bit because you just released a book, uh, Jim, called "Your Journey to Become Unskippable," and uh, we wanted to, I guess, use that as as a bit of a springboard into a conversation about visibility and perhaps how I guess that's self-published authors' worst enemy now, <laughs> nowadays. So uh, I, I hope we can, yeah, get get a bit around and look at this at, from different angles and so forth during our conversation here. Well, yeah, I mean, it's the book just came out this summer, and um, I'm very proud of it. It's the best book I've ever written. And, you know, I make the argument in the book that the world has become skippable. Um, Mm. PBRs allow us to fast forward through the commercials. When you're watching a show on Netflix, the the very first thing that pops up when the show is over is the little button in the bottom right corner. It says skip to the next show. Uh, right. People can't wait five seconds to watch the next show. Right. Uh, we yeah. become a skippable society. We we have the technology um, to fast forward through the content that we want to consume and the content that we don't want to consume. And that comes all the way down to your brand as well. Um, it's not that attention spans are decreasing. We can still pay attention. The The thing is, We've just become really good at focusing and deciding what content we want to pay attention to. So in your brain, there's a thing called the reticular activating system. And it's the little thing in your brain that decides what information you're going to pay attention to and what information you're going to skip. It's a a great example of if you are in a very crowded room with 300 people and you're a brother or your spouse is at the other side of the room and they uh, yell your name, there's a reason you hear it. Number one, 
you hear it because it's your name, your condition, your brain is conditioned to be open to that sound. And it's coming from a familiar tone of voice of person that you are used to hearing. And that's what your reticular activating system does. So I guess my point is that in this very skippable world that we're living in, as authors, we have to find ways beyond just creating great content to get people to want to pay attention to us. Yeah, and, and that's definitely the, the hard. I, I also noticed. Uh, I, I think the you know uh, Netflix apps. Uh, I think they are a bit different uh, in different places of the world. But at least here in my part of the world, I noticed it, it's probably only like maybe two months ago. But uh, whenever you start a show, normally they run this sort of a uh, what happened last time on blah 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 blah. You know that sort of thing. And then uh, about two months ago, this option appeared every time on the screen. Now we can just click like a skip intro. Uh, so, so I think that goes very hand in hand with what you were just saying. You know that we're very much skipping over everything nowadays, and just want to get to the to the main gist of things. We do, and we 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 want to skip things. We've become a society of people who literally are just so busy, uh, and we just don't. Ha- we we have so many things being thrown at us more than ever: more ads, more content marketing, more books. Um, and our brains are looking for reasons to skip things. And as an author, you have to find ways to become unskippable. Um, and yeah. that's what the book's about. Yeah. And, and I, I think since you've written this book, I, I think I'm not going out of a, on a limb in saying that, um, you probably share my view that, you know, discoverability in today's busy world is, is one of the most difficult things for, for us authors to deal with. But I'm curious what your view is on, on this topic, or, or maybe I should put it differently. You know, since there is so much content on the internet, as, as you just said, and I guess, in that way, consumer behavior has also changed quite significantly, maybe over the last, I don't know, decade or so. But what is it that we need, we authors need to understand about the modern reader? Because I guess it's the readers that we are, we are sort of after here. Well, the first thing you need to understand is that uh, everyone's using their phone, right? So all you have to do is get on a bus or go to a waiting room or a doctor's waiting line or or anywhere, and, and I want you to be very conscious of what people are doing when they are not distracted by anything. There was a report mm-hmm. I wrote about in my book that Microsoft did that said when people said when they're not distracted by anything, 77% of them picked up their phone as their first reaction, and they looked at <laughs> We spend an average of three hours a day looking at our phones, not talking on them. Okay, they teens spend an average of nine hours a day looking at our phones. All right. So the first thing that an author needs to realize is that we are living in a mobile world and people are staring at their phones uh, hours and hours and hours per day. So keep that in mind when you are thinking about how somebody might come across your book. They probably found it on a recommendation on Twitter or Facebook, or they were browsing the Amazon app or Kobo app on their phone. And that kind of leads into the, the line of thinking then, well, does your cover pop? Does your title uh, make sense? Does, um, does your cover 
look like the other covers in the science fiction or fantasy categories, right? Because mm. people buy what they're used to. You know, if if I'm a big I'm I'm a big science fiction um, uh, a reader, you know, I'm looking for. I may not consciously be doing it, but I'm subconsciously looking for books that look like the other books that I liked. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is why the romance industry has what I call the shirtless cowboys on it. Um, there's a reason there's a, you know, really six pack abbed uh, shirtless man on the front of 90% of all romance novels because that's what people are used to and that's what people want to buy and that's what makes the books unskippable so a cover to market strategy as long with as, as well as a right to market strategy definitely helps make you unskippable yeah and and i think i mean that there's 100 percent true in in what you're saying around the you really need to hit genre expectations and that's both in title and covers because otherwise you're just in a losing game especially today and and maybe just to use the netflix example again here for a second because i also noticed you know sometimes my wife and i have you we might be watching the same series but on on at different times so she might have it in her watch list and i have it in my watch list but it's quite interesting when you then go into your watch list the image that is displayed is different. So so the same series, but the image that they show in the thumbnail for me is different than the one they show for her. It probably because, you know, they know I'm male and she's female. So they are showing us different things that they believe or they probably know through uh, statistical whatever that uh, that that's something we like more, right? So, so and I, I know... I've heard Joanna Penn speak about this in the past as well, how she would love to be able to do different covers for different territories in the market. So, so there's something about that too, you know, that, that our culture also dictates some of what we like and don't like. Uh, yeah. I mean, the companies like Netflix and Amazon especially are doing all kinds of uh, testing. You know, Joanna is right. The AI part of this is becoming a big part of uh, how it works behind the scenes. There are programs that are starting to be developed that will uh, automatically write uh, advertisements for you, headlines. Uh, mm, interesting. Right. So there's one coming out that I saw that will automatically do Facebook split ad testing for you, and um, and it will write headlines. It will write cop. Right. And it will run uh, massive amounts of ads and determine which one is the highest clicked. I mean, we're eventually going to reach the point where a program like that, you could just, you know, hit a button and it will put in a budget and it will run ads and create them all for you and just return the results later and say, well, this one performed at the highest level, um, all written by AI. Um, now we're not completely there yet, but it's definitely coming. Mm, that's interesting, and I I wonder what they will charge for such a service. But but that is, that is certainly interesting. Well, they will charge for it for sure. Um, but the beautiful part about it is, is that it is run by an uh, you know a computer. It's an AI. Yeah. So you know the there is no human labor involved. So hopefully the service will be cheaper. Here's the problem though: when if you make it cheap enough. You've got a lot of authors using it, and then all of a sudden the AI is, you know, 
producing all of these ads for all these different, you know, if you get, you know, 10,000 science fiction authors using it, you know, then all of a mm. the marketplace gets flooded. You know, one of the reasons that uh, if you find the time to learn how to do ads and learn how to market your book and put the time and effort in, you could stand out um, because you, you know, when you push that boulder up over the hill, you, you, you learn how to do it. You spent the time and effort and you spent the money and you could definitely uh, stand out above other authors. When the technology gets to the point where everyone can do it uh, and the cost is low enough, then the playing field gets leveled a little bit. Yeah, and that's both good and bad. I mean, it, it's good that everybody can can get to play, so to speak. But on the other hand, I mean, we we've seen it at least also with Facebook ads, or especially with the Amazon ads. That you know, the, if you really want to hit those top keywords, you have to pay a lot per click nowadays. So it's it's just been almost become impossible unless you're like selling box sets and whatnot so you can afford to spend more but uh, on a single book it's almost impossible to at least for the good clicks you know the the high profile words very true so that's that's sort of the world we live in uh and and that all plays into why visibility is such a problem for us but i think also I quite liked how I picked up in in the beginning of uh, your unskippable book, where you are you are sharing sort of your epiphany and you're you're talking about how many define success as being money. And basically, we just talked about that too. You know, we 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 just had the angle of how do we sell more books. And uh, I have also said before that you know getting rich might not be the best of success criteria. It's, it's great if it happens, but. It might not be the best thing to strive for, but but that's sort of what I picked up in the beginning of your book a bit there. But perhaps you can elaborate on your line of thinking. Yeah, I mean, uh, my book is a business inspirational book, and I tell some personal stories in the book. And one of the themes, as you mentioned, is, you know, why are we always shooting for, as a human race, you know, how rich we can get and how successful we can get? Um, I personally personally believe that, you know, money, being filthy rich and having a ton of money and losing my life because I spent so much time working to reach that goal is not the most appropriate thing for me. There are some people who that's what they're into. They want to have a lot of money and that's fine. That's totally fine if that's what you want to do. Um, I will say this, you know, it's a short life and the dream of, you know, being the next, you know, Andy Weir and the Martian is, is a great dream to have, but, you know, are you going to uh, spend so much time and so much effort going after that dream that you miss everything else happening in your life? Um, and so there's a lot in the book about, you know, just mindset and trying to be in the moment. You know, I think it comes from the fact that I'm in my late 40s now. You know, I felt <laughs> when I was younger and that's natural, but everybody goes through their own journey, uh, especially authors. You know, however, I will say this, that you do need to have a business mindset when you are writing books. Uh, we talk about this on the Sell More Book Show all the time. Uh, the authors that are successful uh, are the ones that, number one, write a lot of books. Uh, mm. Number two, treat it as a business, you know, the romantic dream of writing your first novel and the publisher comes and sends a limousine with champagne and writes you a huge check and 
you know, then you're on, you know, the tonight show after like that doesn't exist. Uh, it's, it's a, it's a dream. And the reality is, uh, the people who are having success are writing a lot of books and who are, who are doing all the cover to market and cover to, uh, and write to market strategies and who are, you know, learning how to do ads and who are learning how to turn it into a business. And that is the reality of the, uh, of the, uh, writing business today. Yeah, 100%. Uh, I mean, the, the days where you could just write something and put it up on Amazon and then, you know, here we go. <laughs> Those days are long gone. Uh, so, yeah, I fully agree. You have to be really professional in, in getting good cover design and, and, of course, not forgetting professional editing of the books and, and, and those things that any, like, professional publishing company would do anyway. Even though you're just one author with your one-man company, you still need to do all those things. Otherwise, it's certainly not going to be successful. And, and, well, that's especially where you become skippable instead of unskippable, right? Because then it's just, oh, this was another pile of rubbish and uh, people will just move on. Well, you know, I'm, I write nonfiction books. However, I just started a project with uh, a fiction author. We're going to co-write a science fiction adventure book together, which should, yeah. And I announced it on the show this week. So, you know, this is going to be my first attempt at writing a fiction book and I'm not a very good fiction writer. So that's why I teamed up with somebody else. Um, Right. One of the things I'm very cognizant about is write to market strategy um, I read sci-fi books and I know what I like about sci-fi books and my, and I know what sci-fi book covers look like that sell well. I've done the research. Um, so one of the things I'm really worried about when writing the book is writing it to market, writing, putting the cover to market. So, um, I am, while writing it is going to be a fun thing to do. Uh, the reason I'm writing it is because I want it to be successful. So I'm using all of the knowledge and information I've learned over the years from fiction authors and doing the Sell More Book Show podcast to uh, make a really good attempt to try and write it like a business. And does that take some of the fun out of it? Yeah, it does, right? Um, I'll give you an example. Mm. Uh, my co-author and I were doing some character development in some of our first meetings the other day and the antagonist, uh, you know, we needed like a a good name for the antagonist and, you know, I wanted to pivot and kind of give the antagonist kind of like a funny, uh, you know, light, light name, you know, something, you know, really kind of, you know, against the grain. And my co-author said, our readers would hate us for that. I said, why? I said, because they don't want, you know, you to do a play on the name for the antagonist. They want it to sound evil. And so in my brain, I wanted, I wanted to do something that I thought would be fun, but then the marketplace would reject that. So I, I said, fine, let's keep it, you know, the trope that it currently is. And that's kind of a, that's kind of like a decision that I needed help to be made. And I want the book to be successful more than I want to use some counterintuitive name. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, completely. And 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 I think it it ties well back to what we just talked about. You know what 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 the goal is because, of course, if if one wants a book to be successful in terms of monetary value, then obviously you need to play into 
to some degree at least to to the to the market tropes and what readers are expecting and then you know tweak it and twist it a bit so that it's not exactly what they've seen before but at the same time they do recognize it and i think when we're talking about you know a goal of monetary value then then i think a lot of this is also something that is something that we are just uh, i don't want to use the word society but we're sort of brought up by thinking that you're only successful if you're uh, financial successful. And I like to think that, you know, we need to dig a bit deeper. And actually, I, I also find a quote here. I could just drop from your own book here where it says, being unskippable is about mindset and the specific actions you take to achieve your goals and dreams. So there's a lot of accountability in that quote. And, and it's talking about your goals, meaning that you need to decide for yourself what you find successful. And that could, of course, be I want to earn a lot of money from this book. But I still think that if you have something underneath the need to sell more books, it could be, for example, I want to sell a lot of books because I want to be free of my day job. I want to have more freedom or whatever, however you want to phrase that. That is probably a better driver. Or what do you think? Yeah, I agree. Um, There's, you know, I think, you know, in in America, there are definitely – uh, different ways that people think about these things. You know, one of the things I wrote about in the book was, you know, these Americans consider the sign of a stagnant career. If you're only working 40 hours a week. Oh, Jesus. (laughs) Right. I mean, which is kind of really where the state of mind, you know, we have people here working, you know, and then there was another thing I just read about how, um, you know, 30% of Americans, are also working a job, but then also trying to figure out some kind of side hustle job, like driving an Uber. Um, so we are very work focused here, and that's a societal right. thing. And I, and frankly, I don't think it's healthy. Um, but it is where we are. The rest of the world, you know, doesn't seem to have uh, that mindset. But nevertheless, that's where we are, and everybody needs to make a decision of how they want to move forward with their life. Um, Financial circumstances are a big driver of that. You know, people having to work multiple jobs to get by. I will say this. It's very important for you to set a goal. And the goal should be, you can make it a financial goal because that's usually what sets people free from doing the things they want to do. So write down how much money that you need to make per year to replace your current financial situation and then break it down into months. So if it's $100,000 a year divided by 12 months, that's how much you need to bring in every single month so you can finally break free and quit your job if that's what you want to do and replace it with writing income. But know this, the way you're going to get there is going to be a ton of hard work. It's going to be Instead of watching uh, eight hours of a new show on Netflix, it's going to be, I'm going to write for eight hours instead. Uh, It's going to be, I'm not going to uh, spend time on Facebook. I'm going to shut my phone off and I'm going to write for three hours instead. Um, it's, It's all about how high your pain level is and what you really want and uh, how bad you want it. And that's what's going to make the difference of you having success. Because, again, go look at the top authors in your genre right now. 
there are very, I, I guarantee you there's very few of them that have just written one or two books. Of course, they're going to be outliers. The people who are making big-time money and who are being very successful are writing lots and lots and lots of books. You know, And look, use Publisher Rocket and look to see who these people are and see how they're doing it and how they're doing cover to market and how, you know, find ways to write more books. If that means you have to come and find ways to collaborate with other authors, then you need to find a collaboration partner and start writing books. But that is the key right now. Yeah, I agree. And and of course, there is a there is a challenge embedded here as well, because as you just said, uh, some people work several jobs uh, in the U.S. just to get by on on a daily day day to day basis, right? So, so there's for them at least the question also becomes, well, how how can I write if I also need some some money to live? So, so yeah, I, I guess that, that well, the, the point about how, how bad do you want it still applies, but but uh, it I I just want to acknowledge that it it's probably difficult for some people, even though they would really want it. Is it really that difficult though? You know, I'll be the I'll be the bad guy here. You know, mm-hmm. I want you to examine how much time you spent on social media today. I want you to think about how much time you watched Netflix or Amazon Prime or some show, right? So like you got to make a decision. How bad do you want to do this? How bad do you want this to happen? And examine the choices you're making in your life and and decide. And and again, if you don't want it that bad, then that's fine. That's totally fine. Some people don't want it that bad. I have a friend who is probably one of the most talented uh, writers I've ever met, and he could be writing um, sitcoms and comedy specials. He's one of the funniest people I ever met in my life, but he had zero interest in moving to Hollywood and having a career in it. He just likes to do it for fun. And that's frustrating as all you know what for me because to see that kind of talent not apply itself. But guess what? That's his decision. He has zero interest in in using that to build a career and do that. And and I had to learn how to deal with that. Uh, I have another friend who's one of the funniest people uh, I've ever met in my life. He's Jim Carrey times 10. Um, every time I meet him, he makes me laugh so hard I want to pee my pants. But he... He is, he is so funny, but he has zero interest in starting a YouTube channel. He has zero interest in becoming a comedian. Um, it's just how some people are. You have to decide what you want to do. And if, if that's what you truly want, if you truly want to be the next Mark Dawson or Joanna Penn, um, then you're going to have to go in and put the effort in to get there. And that's the sad truth of it. There is work involved. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there is no shortcuts to success, no matter how you twist and turn it. You know, you have to put in the hours. Nobody wants to hear that. <laughs> no, no, maybe not. But at the end of the day, that's how it is. I mean, no, nobody got to the place where they are if they are successful by watching Netflix shows in the in the couch, right? I mean, that's not how it works. Yeah, I know, and I hate to to, to bring that stuff up because, like I said, nobody wants to hear that. But it is the truth. Yeah. Yeah. Indeed. But I'm also wondering sort of if we're looking ahead, Jim, because, uh, okay, looking backwards for a second first, maybe, you know, we came, I don't know what, maybe 10 years ago, you, you know more than this than I do, because you were very much involved in the internet business like 10, 15 years ago. But but at least we came from a place where there wasn't as much content on the internet. 
Uh, of course, you didn't have as many tools as you have today to to help you to easily do things, but it at least you didn't have the crowded space on the internet back then. And then nowadays we are we are in a place where it is pretty crowded. If you're smart about it, you can still f- become visible. And, and we talked about some of those things that you can do already here in this episode. But if you're looking ahead, Jim, like, like I don't know, 10 years ahead or something, where do you think that the future of marketing is going on the internet? Well, I've seen all the shifts. I've been doing this for over 20 years. Um, technology plays a big part in it. Uh, you know, how, how people react. It, it, it always comes back down to one thing, which is authenticity. Uh, and great content. Um, so, you know, there was a time we, we went through this shift where everything became automated. You know, everybody was talking about chat bots and, you know, automated sales funnels. And those things are, those are good tactics and they still do work. But I think the biggest thing I want to point out is this, you know, there's never been a greater time in the history of the world to build a brand and to get your name known and to sell a product or a book right now than right now. There never has been. And just because there's more competition doesn't mean that it's harder. It's actually easier than ever. If you and I wanted to right now, if we wanted to uh, meet in a room for the next seven days and write a book together, we could have a cover design. We could write a book together. We could edit it. We could put it up on Amazon. And you and I could then go on Facebook and Twitter and TikTok or wherever else, Instagram, and we could put it out in front of millions of people with a click of a button and have the opportunity to sell that right away, right? That is a game changer. Before the internet, before all these social media channels, you didn't have that. You you couldn't just instantly create a brand and a business overnight. You can do that now. Um, and that is a huge opportunity that still a lot of people, I just don't think, I think everyone takes it for granted how simple it is. I could develop a course. I, I could get off this podcast with you and go, you know what? They gave me a great idea for a course on how to help authors. I could sit in my office for the next 24 hours, create the course, put a website up for it and start selling it a day later and making money. That's an opportunity. Um, it's just, Again, how bad do you want to do it? But it all comes down to the core basic principles, which I write a lot. You know, there are two reasons people use the internet. Number one is to have a problem solved. And number two is to be entertained. Now, when you put that into the book conversation, uh, to be entertained is fiction. And to uh, have a problem solved is nonfiction. So when you start thinking about things in that term, all your, if you're writing fiction, you need to entertain people. If you're writing nonfiction, you need to solve problems for people. And that's just the basic core of business and how you approach writing as a business. Solve problems for people or entertain them at the highest level. And then just go out and start putting it out there. You don't have to be salesy, but you do have to go out there and be authentic. You know, um, Authors that are really working on social media to share parts of their their lives. Uh, authors that are telling stories and, and bringing in people. Uh, I would highly recommend that everybody do a Google search for something called 1,000 True Fans. Um, it is an amazing piece that was written years and years ago, probably 10 years ago now. And it basically makes the argument that 
uh, any artist, whether it's a musician, a writer, uh, anyone who creates content uh, or any type of business can survive and build a successful business off of 1,000 true fans. Because if you have 1,000 people who are true fans of you, you will sustain a career um, because a true fan is somebody who uh, will drive four hours in a snowstorm to come to your next book signing because they love you so much. On top of that, they will uh, advocate for you and evangelize about you and create blog blog posts and do videos about you um, without you asking. Um, that's a person who will buy the you know six box set of your book even though they've already bought all of your six individual books already because they just needed to have the box set. So if you can cultivate a true fan in today's world, then you can build an entire career off a thousand, those thousand people. And that's the only way you're going to do that is build trust uh, and be authentic with who you really are to your audience. And they will reward you for that. Um, if you are uh, the days of being standoffish, and you know, not answering your emails. I, I still get frustrated at this. Like there's some very big time authors who have come onto the scene in the last year. And one of them I've been trying to reach for six months and I've tried Facebook, Twitter, email, uh, tried to go through networks to find phone numbers. This author is a complete ghost. They, they, they cannot be contacted. And you know what? I'm annoyed. I'm hmm. completely annoyed by it. You can't, you can't respond to me on Facebook. You can't, you can't send me an email back. You can't, you know, just say hello, right? I, I'm not asking you for anything. I wanted you to be on my podcast, but at least tell me no. You know, that annoys the heck out of me. I'm not going to say who it is. Yeah. And their content of their book is great. But you know what? I have a bad taste in my mouth from that author. And I, it's not somebody that I respect because they just can't even talk. I respond to every single email. I give people out my cell phone numbers, say, text me in my book, in the book. I get, here's my cell phone number. Text me. Tell me if you're enjoying the book. That's just how I operate. Yeah. And, and, and I think that is important. I think it's important to be approachable. And, and I also just want to acknowledge that uh, 1000 true fan uh, input you gave there. If, uh, if the listener is looking for it, you can also go onto YouTube and actually just search for 1000 true fans. And there is an, there's an interview with the, with the guy who wrote that article. And I think it, indeed it is like 10 years ago, but it still holds so much true uh, today. And it, it's it's really good. And it, it's funny because it was just sort of a thought that he had and he, he didn't know if it was true or not. But at the point when he says in the interview, when he wrote that article, it was more like, I think that it might be like this. And then he published that article and it just, you know, resonated so much with especially people in the creative community, like authors and, and stuff like that. So, uh, so I, I really think that that is, uh, if you haven't seen that one yet, dear listener, then go and check that one out because it, it's really good. The other thing I was just thinking based on what you said, Jim, was uh, I also think that we need to be careful not to, always focused on the negatives, right? I mean, probably like 10 years ago, people were complaining that, well, uh, well, there was also those people who thought that the internet would go away in a, uh, tomorrow <laughs> back then. But, but I guess there was also complaints about how, you know, you needed to know a lot of coding and it was not easy to make content on the internet and so forth. And as time went by, now it is actually pretty easy to uh, produce content. But now people are now complaining that, well, what we're talking about here today, that discoverability is an issue. 
And I got, I don't know, in five years from now, it'll be something else people are complaining about. But I think sometimes we, we also need to take a step back and, and just acknowledge what you said before, Jim, in, in the sense that it, it is a, it's a very good time to actually be selling books now. And because we have all these tools, yes, maybe there is a discoverability issue, but it's also a matter of trying to find the opportunities and how to, how to stand out of the crowd, which is definitely not easy, but I mean, it's still better than what it used to yeah. be in, in today's would you like, day and age. Would you like to go back? Let's go back in time, okay? Let's go back in time to before Amazon, before the internet. To be discovered, you had to go through a gatekeeper as a publisher or an agent, and they had to determine if your content was worthy enough to be given to the masses, okay? The select few who were chosen to have good content enough were then... Uh, distributed out to bookstores and talked about in New York Times bestseller list and things like that. So a couple people in the entire world were controlling all of the content distributed to the rest of the world. Would you like to go back to that? Because I wouldn't. There was no thank terrible you. Time, <laughs> an absolutely terrible time to be a content creator, to be an artist, to be somebody. You had to spend 20, 30 years building a brand, creating content, or would you rather have it now where everybody has an equal opportunity? And I don't buy the argument that discoverability is harder than ever. You are just not using all of your best effort to get there. Um, there are, uh, There is the very easy ability to go out and learn how to use Amazon ads and create ads and start getting your book out there and start selling immediately. There is a very ability to mm. start using Facebook ads. There's a very easy ability to start your own podcast or create a video or create some type of content that will help people find your book. You just maybe just don't want to do it. And that's because you are still in that romantic dream of that. I'm just going to write a book and everybody's just going to come and read it. But the world has changed. You have to treat this like a business, write a lot of books Right cover to mark, right, right, right to market, cover to market, have amazing book descriptions, make sure you price it the right way. And for, and, and here's really what you're asking me here. There's a lot of people who still are in the artist mentality. Um, and the art mentality is I'm doing this for the art of it. And I just love to do it. And I'm upset that I have to treat this like a business. And unfortunately, that's exactly where we're, where we're at. If you do not want to treat writing books like a business, the odds that you are going to have success diminish by, you know, 99%. And um, again, people are like, dang it, Jim, why are you telling me this? Well, it's just the truth. And I think everyone listening to this knows that, but sometimes they need to hear it again. Yeah, we, we're back to the fact that you have to put in the work, right? Yeah. <laughs> At the end of the day, that, that's what it is. It's becoming a very preachy thing by me. I was, was yeah. not my intent <laughs> to do this at all. <laughs> no, but but uh, at the end of the day, it, it is true, right? I mean, and I, I certainly think that there is, and I'm also speaking to myself here, I mean, making like visibility your worst enemy is also something that you choose to do, right? I mean, we can focus differently. We could try to focus on, okay, maybe my covers are actually not genre specific enough. Maybe my titles is not selling what this genre is to the reader. 
maybe I didn't do enough editing or I skimped something along the process there. And, and then, yeah, of course, you do suffer discoverability consequences of that those choices. But on the other hand, things are so easy today with, with, with online stuff that you, you can still go back and, and change it. And it doesn't, it doesn't require too much. Like you don't have to go to your major publishing company and say, can you please take, change my cover? And then they tell you no, and you, you can well, just do it. My first so maybe we need to focus on the post. My first positive. book, Attention, that came out almost 10 years ago, was published through Wiley. Uh, it's my only traditionally published book. And uh, I didn't like the cover that they did for me. Of course, they wouldn't let me do my own cover. Um, I didn't like the title of the book um, that ultimately they decided. Um, I didn't like any of it. And I would like to go back now if I had the rights to it and redo the book with the cover and the title. But I can't do it because they own it. Right. So, you know, that's, you know, that's a problem for me, which is why I self-publish now, because uh, and, and I just want to have that control. I want to be able to change. Like if I, you know, book cover designs change, you know, there's two years from now, we might be seeing a totally different trend of covers might be more illustrated covers in a specific genre. We don't know. You need to be a pivot. Mm. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I, I can also see that we're coming up on time here, uh, Jim. So I, I want to make sure to thank you very much for, for that you took the time out to come and talk to me here today. And uh, maybe you can share wh where do you prefer people to pick up your book from if they're interested? Is that just Amazon or how do yeah, you Yeah, if you would like that? to get a copy, uh, I, I will say this. The um, people who were the ARC readers of the book were all authors. And I have gotten since... 84 positive reviews of the book in about less than two months. So if you are an author and you're thinking this book is not for you, you would be wrong because all of my ARC readers were authors in fiction authors and nonfiction authors, and they really enjoyed the book. So if you go to beunskippable.com, that just takes you to my website. It's much easier to spell than my name. So beunskippable.com, <laughs> you can find my book there and check it out. I think you'll really enjoy it. I think it will inspire you. Excellent. I'll put the the link in the uh, show notes as well. So uh, for you listener out there, if you're interested, just check out the show notes and click through there. Then you don't even have to make a note if you're out on the move at, as you're listening to this. So uh, thanks, thank you very much, Jim, for for talking to me today. And um, And thank you for your focus on motivating people on a daily basis. I know you guys do that over on the Sell More Book Show as well. So I think we need more people like you guys. Well, I think we need more people like you who will consistently produce content in a great format and continue to do shows like this. So thank you so much for doing the show. And thank you so much for having me on. All right. Thank you very much. And uh, thank you for tuning in again this week, uh, dear listener. And uh, yeah, just come back next week and make sure to subscribe if you haven't done so already. If you like what you just heard, there's a few things you can do to support the Am Writing Fantasy Podcast. Please tell a fellow author about the show and visit us at Apple Podcasts and leave a rating and review. You can also join Autumn and Jasper on patreon.com slash amwritingfantasy. For as little as a dollar a month, you'll get awesome rewards and keep the Am Writing Fantasy podcast going. Stay safe out there and see you next Monday. <laughs>